0: If you are in a position of power where you can actually broadly influence things that mm-hmm. are tied to this, then like if you if you're a person if you're listening to this podcast and you're the CEO of a coal company, uh, then mm-hmm. maybe burn that thing to the ground. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, actually, no, don't do because it. Sorry, that sorry, would, bury it. Or yeah, something bury like it. That. Put
1: it back in the mountain. <laughs> put it back in the mountain. <laughs>
0: For- scotch <laughs>
1: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 234 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm real chill right
2: now. I'm Sam and I've got no chill right now.
1: This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is November 16, 2019. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears. Up and down. In this episode.
2: Paint them on the wall.
1: Yeah. All right. <laughs> listen. I'm, I'm telling you,
0: I'm real chill right now.
1: It's so chill. Listen. Yeah. This episode is the first of two
0: that we're going to be recording back-to-back today. Today. Because— And you may be thinking as you're listening to this, today is not even close to November 16th. Correct. But That's that right. True.
2: That's because both Adam and Seth are going to be gone. So we're going to be— We're pre-cording
0: mm-hmm.
1: these two episodes, uh, which means we don't have a lot to say, but we do have a lot of questions from our listeners. Which and I I just generally.
0: And about the universe. Yep. Yeah. yep.
1: So we're going to— take this opportunity to uh answer those questions and we're just gonna burn down the
2: list but first Sam has a story I do yesterday I go to leave the office around 4 p.m I was a little you know frazzled after a full work day yeah like eight o'clock so heading out and usually what I do is I call my wife on the way home it's just a quick you know 10 15 minute chat catch up on the day sort of like a you know just like just getting them report about stuff so that when I get home we can just like chat and hang out so you yeah, got to do your pre-chat. So, that, pre-chat that so when you get, get home, chat.
0: you don't have to talk to each other. You, then you can just. That's kind of- also
2: <laughs> probably a good reason. So, get in the car, call her on the phone, and I say, "Hey," and she says, "Hey, what's up?" And I say, "Hey, I was just calling to," and then immediately start sneezing uncontrollably <laughs> for like oh, fifteen yeah. seconds. Yeah, just Sam, like
0: For 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 all of our listeners out there, Sam has an incredible sneeze potency. They're just sudden. I think it, it, they are I, sudden. They come out of nowhere, and they're always. If there's like a hundred of them in a row. <laughs> yeah, every time. So. I just said, hey, I just want to tell you <laughs> So for like 15 seconds. Maybe and and she
2: thought you fell down the stairs. Oh, no. Or? she didn't <laughs> But both of us just start, I was just crying, <laughs> laughing afterwards. And so I'm covered in tears now. And and, snot not snot. <laughs> and I'm just in the car. I'm still in the parking lot. I had uh-huh. moved the car like four feet to just start getting out. Uh, and the whole thing was just so ridiculous. And it was just absolutely wonderful. And I was like, this is good. This is a good day. Even though this is the weirdest thing. <laughs> this is what it's like to be alive. Did yeah. this all Covered start
0: after your bone marrow transplant? It did. Because I didn't remember that happening Yeah,
2: there's that. this, one of the drugs, I think it was Vincristine, which is not a name for a person, though it sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds um, like a
0: pretty nice name, really. Uh,
2: it is not a good drug. Yeah. So that's one of, the, one of the cancer-killing ones that I had during on my chemo.
0: It also killed your anti-sneeze organ. Well, so
2: what that one actually would do is, it's literally one of the things it does, is it makes you feel like you need to sneeze. And then also just makes you sneeze, and so yeah. After that, like now I just sneeze different. Like that's Those... the one leftover I have from my cancer treatments. So I sneeze weird now, which I <laughs> well, guess yeah, is fine. It could and, have been worse. It could much have been
0: worse. more suddenly. Yeah,
2: I'm just I'll just be doing something, and I'm like <laughs> 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 out of
0: nowhere. Like, I don't think I've ever. I mean, sneezes always sneak up on it. It's kind of their whole thing. But even still, I've never had a moment where I just where it was like it happened, and there was no. Was no, so there was no feeling first. Yeah. You know, it just – I've never had anything like the that. The
1: side effects of cancer drugs are so fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be like, now this one, <laughs> while we're dripping this into your body, you're going to taste creamed corn. Yeah.
2: That and was the next time warm. they're like,
1: while well, we do this one, you're going to think you're a dragon for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to want a bagel yep. really badly. <laughs> That's what this one, drug does.
2: One of the other ones, they're, they're like, next time you pee, it will be purple. Don't worry about it. <laughs> about that? What the fuck, fuck is going on? Totally normal.
0: <laughs> totally normal thing. Okay. <laughs> totally normal. Like this one will remove the entire lining of your intestine. Yeah. So that's a fun one.
2: There was another one where they were like, when you have this, if you don't eat ice chips the entire time, it's going to peel off the entire inside of your mouth. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you're like, how many ice chips can I eat? I ate so many ice <laughs> chips that I frost burned my mouth. So I ended up peeling off my mouth anyways. But that still seems better. It was, it was definitely better. Yeah. Because it was an ulcers, so which is basically what it turns your entire mouth into. And there's another one where they are like, okay, well, I put this one in. Uh, it might form crystals in your eyeballs. <laughs> Not even kidding. <laughs> Not even fucking kidding. And you're like, what do I do? And I, I was like, do yeah. I about that? What, do you worry about that? And they're nope. like, well, if it happens, we'll worry about it. If it happens,
0: you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? What is (laughs) happening? Uh, Poison, man. While you're getting
1: these drugs, the way that you perceive life and death will turn inside out.
0: I mean, that's definitely true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We don't really know what that means exactly, Uh but it will happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's – I mean, at least you came out with just the sneezes. Yeah, just <laughs> At least none of these <laughs> things
0: were permanent. Yeah, no, I'm very, I'm very lucky. Yeah, so actually, I'm it inside. is very impressive how, how how few side damages you got. Yeah. Well, this is
2: actually – so speaking of, I had my uh, cancer treatment uh, sort of checkup last week. And yeah, they were like, you are healthy as a horse, sir. So I on I hope a good
1: one because horse, a is a real good horse. horse has got a whole range. A whole range.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm definitely like a good horse sort of healthy. as Healthy as a whole. good so horse. So this is year four, which means I have one year left before I can get life insurance. Because yeah. after five years, they're like, probably it's fine. Mm-hmm. Even though my doctor was definitely this year, she was like, you're definitely fine. You're going to be good. But I still have to wait a year for insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cured yet, apparently, according uh, to insurance. Uh, you know, it's funny though,
0: hmm. is when we go get our life insurance, yours is going to somehow cost less than mine. I know. That's what's going to happen. Because they,
2: they won't know that I had cancer once anymore.
0: Because you <laughs> can hide it. Yep. And hopefully they don't. <laughs> they do don't. you have to not, do you, you don't have to tell them at that point? Hopefully they don't. I think that's you. how
1: Because they might find out. They might find out. Yeah,
2: they're going to have to listen to a lot of podcast episodes to dig it up, Though, whatever. Yeah.
1: Could be. Or they'll just see your top uh, YouTube GDC talk. <laughs> yeah, if they just search <laughs> them, <copy. Yeah. laughs> Uh All right, and there's one other thing we need to talk about before we got to questions, which is some, dare I say, dope-ass introspection mm-hmm. that Sam encountered while doing art.
2: Yeah, so every so often uh, during – my art practice, watching YouTube videos, student lessons, whatever else, there's some phrase someone utters that feels like a good metaphor for life generally. So the first one that I found was this idea from this uh, fantastic tutorial series by this guy named Marco Bucci on YouTube. And it was simply, beware of shapes that are too self-important, which we have talked about in the podcast before. And for some reason, it just struck me as sort of like it's kind of giggle worthy and made me think about just people and also ideas.
1: Or Bitcoin or 3D printing. VR, all this stuff. (laughs) Yeah,
2: where it's like suddenly everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so important. Um, And it's just this sort of reminder that maybe not. Um, So there's that one. And then the new one from this morning uh, after this this class I'm taking on environment sketching and art design, uh, we're talking about lighting. And the idea was – and it sort of like blew my lid off my head. It was one of those sentences – Was that any object in your scene that is struck by light also becomes a light. Okay? Like a simple idea. So anything that is lit lights other things with whatever it is lit by. Uh, And so it just sort of struck me as this weird, fun metaphor for just a lot of stuff. Whether it's, um, you know, say you're taking a a self-improvement approach. So in our case, you know, Seth started doing this like not eating meat thing. I eat less meat now. Seth sort of reflecting this vegetarian radiation Uh onto me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also, I think, a reflection of, like, you got to be really careful. That whole rule of, you know, uh, be careful who you surround yourself with, who you listen to, that sort of thing. I think it just kind of – it all comes into play in the same sort of way because the reality is that that you get hit by, you know, these – by whatever the light source is around you.
1: There's no dead ends. You know, the the stuff that you put out there, it's going to go all over. Yeah. might come back. It's going to bounce around. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it happens in small ways. You know, like – so you guys have been talking about Adam. you had been talking about like the Beyond Burgers mm-hmm. and these like Boca Burgers and stuff. And it wasn't really until just at, at one point, randomly, I had also been listening to some other stuff about uh, climate change and about how like I got solar panels, I got electric car. But this whole meat thing is really kind of contradictory, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So you I caught just, yourself in a lie. And then mm-hmm. I yeah. And then I thought, well, I mean, it seems fine because I've been hearing about it. So I did it. Uh, and then yeah. Then that sends it back out. you guys do it yep. more? Everybody, and I don't know. Maybe some of our listeners are doing it. Mm-hmm. But it all just keeps bouncing just bounces around. Yeah, and, and
2: it gets changed a little bit too. So yeah. like if you light an object uh, you know, with sunlight, for example. Then
0: it absorbs a whole bunch of that color.
2: It does. But then like – so say, say it's a green object, right? Mm-hmm. So it's got – now this, it's a bright green thing going on. But it actually will then light the things around it with some greenness, mm-hmm. right? So, so whatever is lit – Some of itself it kind of – Exactly. Mixes in. And so there's this really – I don't know. It's like a really fun weird Beautiful. metaphor that sort of popped out. Yeah. Yeah. When you're struck by light, you light other things too. So be very careful. Of what light you're getting. Because yeah, if it's ultraviolet
0: light, now you're going to get skin cancer.
2: Or if it's gamma, you're going to turn it into the Hulk and then turn everything into the Hulk around you.
0: Which That's is, right. Why doesn't the Hulk turn everything else into the Hulk? How come
2: when I'm playing a computer game that is, you know, a triple A, like high fidelity one, mm-hmm. and they're like, adjust your gamma. You know what I mean? And I turn it up. How come my character doesn't get stronger? That's my question. Yeah, that's I a great question. Because They should either get better.
0: stronger for like living in superhero universes, or they should die for living in the real
2: universe. Yes, there, there was far too a much again. It'd be hilarious You'd turn it up all the way, and, and char- like, everything's dead.
1: <laughs> there was a scene. Uh, the idea of the Hulk has always been a little bit weird to me, but there's a scene, and I think it was the Hulk movie from the Edward Norton one. Edward Norton, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. I actually watched that recently, and I, I dug it. It it does hold up, I feel yeah, it was like. But um, what was the scene now? But there's a – I think this was in this one where he's on a table, like a steel um, – like a medical table thing. And he starts hulking out while he's on the table and he gets bigger and bigger and then the, the table starts to buckle. Yeah. Right? The whole time I'm thinking like – Where's this mask coming yeah, from? Yeah. Where is this weight coming from? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's – Maybe it's like his – you know how energy can convert into matter? Maybe like he's got like a core of
0: gamma radiation in his body. So basically when he hulks out, he's actually converting his His stored up gamma radiations directly into mass, I guess. The thing about that is that going that direction is really – you can't – you have to use a fuckload of – because like when you convert mass into radiation, that's how you get a nuclear explosion, right? You need a tiny amount of mass to make a huge amount of radiation. So the opposite is also true, right? Which means he has to basically be a nuclear explosion – in order to get like a few grams of mass out. Yeah. So inside of the Hulk, that must mean he's, he's basically powered. the sun. He's like a yeah. neutron star. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which is why he's very strong. There we go. Yeah. We solved it. That's so, why the
2: table buckles. There you go.
1: So, but, okay. <laughs> so he has all that energy, but it's pure energy. Yeah, so, so it doesn't weigh anything. It doesn't weigh anything. Mm-hmm. And then he turns it into mass. That yep. way he yep. gets big. And then when he's done, he's like, I'm done now. And then he somehow turns it back into energy without killing yeah. everyone. Without exploding. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. sense. I, I got that. Yep. Okay. All uh, right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. We're going to do a lot of them. And then after this, we're going to record another episode with even more of them. Yeah. And we uh, might have to take a shot of butterscotch-flavored moonshine after this, mm-hmm. too. We'll, yeah. we'll ponder that as we go. <laughs> All right, first question comes from Mimabip Gourky, who says, What do y'all think about constantly changing tools to the latest thing? Is it better to just stay with a familiar tool and finish your work than to allow yourself to be distracted with all the new things? I'm curious if you switched to Notion from Airtable and why or why not.
2: Mm, I think there's sort of two phases to this. So the first is the assessment phase. I think – I do think it's good to always remain curious and open. To these things
0: yeah you should try every new thing that you can. yeah
2: uh, well i mean you know time permitting to some degree yeah. right either, either, so you scorpion, can, you right, can, you know? yeah. yeah so when we you know yeah. when we got into Airtable, for example i think that was shortly after probably getting into something else i don't even know what so we hopped into it and we were like oh this is cool and it sort of it piqued our curiosity quite a bit and so we explored it a bunch and then said what could we actually do with this and then the list of things we came up with that were things we couldn't do effectively with anything else was actually large and so yep. we were like okay that means this is worthwhile Put a bunch of energy into it. Well, I think the it, first yeah.
0: thing – I think we actually did it when we were looking to make our our dossier sort of – Yes, uh, press system. Press yeah. system, right, where yeah. we wanted to keep track of all the people that we met and what they did and who they were, how to contact them. It's basically a studio-wide the, contact list. Exactly, but, like but with a lot more information you get out of a normal – like basically we needed a Rolodex, right, but yeah. with a lot of information on it. And so I think at the time we were looking for ways to do that and, and I came through, across – I think you, you tried out like 10 different –
2: Well, I looked through a bunch of – traditional content or contact managers, CMS systems, which is what a lot of marketers and stuff use when they're doing email lists and all this other stuff. Um, And I found all of them annoying because they all had a structured workflow that they require that you
0: use. We call that opinionated.
2: They they were very opinionated opinionated tools. tools. Self-important
0: shapes. Exactly. (laughs)
2: And I was like, all I need is something that lets me store information however the fuck I want. And Airtable was the only thing we found that had that extreme degree of flexibility that then went beyond uh, the functions that a normal Google spreadsheet would have, right? Yeah. So that was basically the question. And so we found that piece of tech, we we sort of solved it with that. When it relates to, so like that's, there's, there's, should, there's always like an exploratory phase because I think you want to answer the question, how does this, how does this and how can this re- relate or reflect then onto the work that I'm doing right now? Mm-hmm. So I've been poking around on, in my spare time on, I think I explored three different uh, painting programs recently. Mm-hmm. I did... Uh, I did some sketchbook stuff. I used uh, Clip Studio Paint, and then I used Affinity Designer. I was just sort of poking around to see, like, what do they have that I don't currently have? Mm-hmm. It's like Inkscape. And then does that difference matter? Yeah.
0: And can you learn something from what they're doing there and actually apply it in the tools that you're already using? Yes. Which and is so, usually, yes. Usually, that's usually, that's usually
2: yeah. what it is. And yeah. so what I found most interesting is bouncing between vector and uh, painting and then sort of traditional line drawing, less so about the tools, but about the, the, that, that, the different practices – I mean they're essentially different tools that you're using, right, to, to express something. Um, they end up all sort of converging back onto my production work in Inkscape, mm-hmm. which still, by the way, like my Inkscape version is 0.48. Like I have not updated to the newest one because every time I do, despite the fact that it has a few new tools, it doesn't work actually as well. Because they removed or changed – Because they remove or change thing. enough stuff that it – or it just doesn't function super well uh, that it doesn't make any sense. So – You know, I I think there's a there's it's really good to explore those things. And I think a a big benefit of it is is not just the reflection, but the fact that you get to you get to say that you you have been intentional about the tool you're choosing. Yeah. So people ask me, like, why do you use Inkscape? Mm. Well, actually, I have two reasons now. So one is affinity designer doesn't allow for reading of XML files, which means that doing some automation stuff would require a whole new pipeline and must Mm -hmm. maybe not even be possible in some ways. Like Adam and I basically explored that. Um, which means that Inkscape is actually a better tool than for, for a studio pipeline. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, when I look at Illustrator, it's because Illustrator is opinionated about several of the things that I don't like it being opinionated about, and yeah. so it actually sort of gunks up my workflow in a way that doesn't actually accelerate it. It has some fancier tools, but that's fine. So it sort of it adds this ability to say to actually say why it is that you're using something, which I think yeah. is really important yeah
0: and, and all tools have opinions the question is always how compatible are those opinions with what with your opinions to do? Yeah. yeah and yeah I, I think this there are, there are a lot of facets to to this question so it's it's very hard to answer for all other reasons that you kind of said right which is but I think a lot of this also comes down to broader tooling right mm-hmm. because the more that you right. use a specific tool if you're if you're doing good production practices the more the infrastructure of your entire you know sort of ecosystem of tools that you're using comes to depend on the functionality of those tools and so this is true. This is true in any production environment. It's certainly true in, in our studio. we spent months now fine-tuning and tweaking and growing the the and expanding the capabilities of our of our build pipeline. Yeah, that is for game maker. It works for game maker. That has its entire purpose, right? So if we were to switch over to Unity, we not only have the cost of now learning Unity and doing all that kind of stuff there, uh, we also now have the cost of having to build rebuild our entire infrastructure that sits around that and. So, so, this is this is one of those kind of hidden costs of uh, of building really strong production and building really yeah really good infrastructure is that the more tools you're sticking together and the more your infrastructure depends is sort of built on the specifics of those tools, the harder it is for you to actually adopt new stuff over
2: time. Well, about. you could see why you know. So in web development, everybody hates Internet Explorer, right? Yeah. And the problem is that there's a lot of tools that are built specifically for like big corporate tools yeah big corporate legacy tools that are used by hundreds of thousands of people yeah. that are not going to be updated because right. they cannot be updated and they were
0: designed to work with exactly internet explorer and that's it yeah right? but like
2: from <laughs> the year 2000 yeah i mean there, there, so there are there
0: are hospitals that only allow you to use internet explorer 6 or yes. windows xp or windows xp <laughs> which, <laughs> which yeah, is now 20 completely years old. unsupported piece of technology yes.
2: and so it's one of those things where it's like oh it sucks but at the same time you i think that's it's one of the things you always have to look out for when you're doing this tools or production development, mm-hmm. which is to say, okay, what's our, what is our future budget? What's our future plan for doing the next thing too? Because just saying that like, we're going to want to done this, make this big tool for an explorer. And then that's going to be it. Isn't Is a very short sighted way to think about
0: it. Right? It is. Because yeah. Oh yeah, well, yeah. So it's, it's that, it's that constant balance, right? Because you never, you can't know what the next tools are going to be. Correct. And so you can't, and you can't design your own tooling now to, take into consideration whatever these imagined future tools are going to look like. And so no matter what, you're going to have to adapt things over time and things are going to change over time. And I think it also is not – it's not wise just to settle in something and have that just be the thing and that's it. Without exploring anything else because that's equivalent to software rot, right? That's just – if you're stuck in, in our case, like one version of Inkscape, right? This is actually like the longer – the older that version gets versus like where we are with all of our other stuff – the more likely it is that there are things with that that are going to be creating problems for us mm-hmm. and, and your inability to use updated tools or new tools with new ways of doing things. Because like, you know, let, let's say somebody invents some really cool, new, super fast way to make uh, 2d animations or something that's completely incompatible with Inkscape for some reason. Right. Uh, Inkscape not going to get updated to have that. And yep. even if it does, because we're now on this old as fuck version of it, we can not do it. Then even if it does get updated, we can't update ourselves to that version because it breaks too many of the other things mm-hmm. that we need and so on. And so I think it's one of those things I think that it's really important to as much as you can uh, try. It. So, so what I do on the web dev side is I keep my eyeball, my eyeballs peeled, which is disgusting, <laughs> but I keep them peeled. But you did get lazy. I did get lazy, so I did, lazy, so yeah. I did exactly that, uh, to to look out for what all the new technologies are, what all the new front-end frameworks are, and I explore them all the time, just get a sense of what's out there, what are people doing, And and are there new things coming out that I think are going to be worth shifting some of our new stuff into so that, Less of our infrastructure is legacy infrastructure, right? So when you have something really big, so let's say like the entirety of Rumpus, which is now just an enormous piece of software that runs our website and all of our back-end tech, it's huge. And so I'm not going to swap out that tech stack. That's not going to happen because the cost of doing that is just rebooting the software, right? right? And so it took me several years to build that. It would take me several years to build it all over again, right? Uh, so that's not going to happen, but that doesn't mean that when I then go build another thing, that that also has to use the, t- the same tech stack, right? Uh, and so by keeping your eyeballs out or just like keeping keeping a lookout for all the different things that are changing and what they're doing and why, and then trying to learn just enough stuff that you can either apply that to the tools that you're using or make sure that your tools are as updated as possible is all really good. Yeah, and so even updating, even things like, uh, so so I'm basically now fully adopted Node is like my core programming language for everything, not just for web stuff, but for writing tools and for everything. Because now I have one tool I can go to; it's one language, it's I can really, mm-hmm. really good. learn that thing really yeah. well. And, but I don't use the bleeding edge version because that's not, that's not a good idea for production, right? But I I use the latest always. I always always use the latest long term supported version, which basically a new one comes out every like six months or a year or something like that. Uh, and every time a new one comes out, I go. Update everything. Every, like every code, every piece of code that I've written, I go, I install the updated version of Node, and then go see what breaks, and then fix all of it. I keep all of my dependencies updated all the time, and so on and so forth. Because if you don't do that, you just have software rot. And yeah, things yeah. things get worse and worse and worse over time and harder
2: to do. Well, deal there's with. there's also a broader sort of note here, which is that it may be the case that it's it may not be best for your individual output to use a particular tool. Yeah. But it may very well be the best for the entire studio's output, right. and so that's what I think about actually with with, with the to, infrastructure stuff. Yeah, with infrastructure stuff, uh, but also even with regard to Inkscape. Like, very few people are training up on Inkscape nowadays. Yep. So, if you ever want to hire someone, that means that there's this there's this other thing that's going to be happening there, yeah. and so being able to train someone up on a tool that functions much more like something like Illustrator or yep. Photoshop, which actually Affinity Designer is closer to, yeah. Um, might just be the sort of thing where it's like, okay, I just need to bite the
0: bullet, bite the the bullet
2: and figure it out. Well, it's the same um, deal with
0: GameMaker versus Unity, right? Exactly. It's like if we wanted to hire a, another programmer for making games, the the pool for really good GameMaker developers is fucking tiny relative mm-hmm. to the pool for really good Unity yeah. programmers.
2: And so there, there's a lot of just other questions depending on the level that you're looking at here. I think yeah. if you're just doing a solo project by yourself, who gives a fuck? Like, do whatever you, do whatever you want. Do whatever feels good. Uh, but as soon as you start having like a team and you want to build a production pipeline, I think the, the biggest note here is that if you're actually operating as like a legit independent studio, the first thing you solve is the pipeline. Yeah, you solve the you pipeline, solve the pipeline and you first. Are always asking questions of scalability. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you haven't actually asked that question, like what is the tooling infrastructure that we need to make this whole thing so slick that it's
0: ridiculous,
2: mm-hmm. uh, then you're you're not acting like you're not acting as an actual production studio. Yeah, you're still acting basically as like a you know, garage.
0: Yeah, project. and it is just true that the more the more parts you have that are all working together, the the older that tech stack has to be, yep. because it gets built over time, you know, and it gets harder and harder to change. And, and so that that is that is fine. It's just something to you have to keep an eye. You just have to pay a really close attention to it and make sure you're not getting yourself into trouble um, yeah. in the long term. Um, but for the most part, I mean, you know, the fact is we have we have a lot of work to do using the tools that we have. We can't be spending a huge fraction of our time. Updating the tools, learning new tools, and all that kind of stuff because we need to be continuing to actually make stuff. Well, I think
2: the truth is like the – most of the tools take care of the fundamentals enough yeah. that it doesn't matter so much to be completely up to date state yeah. of the art and everything. In well, fact, yeah. oftentimes it's bad, right? Yeah, well, because and it's that that is
0: true, right? Because uh, like, if Inkscape does exactly what you need it to do, then who cares if it's 15 years old? It doesn't actually matter, right? Uh, and right up until our needs change. Right yeah, up until our needs change. <laughs> but, yeah. But <laughs> since you can't predict what those are going to be, uh, then right. it wouldn't have necessarily helped you to move to a different tool anyway. Uh, and, I, and I think about this when I was too with uh so if, if you're ever if you're ever programming in the node ecosystem, there's a million packages that people have made just at your fingertips, you know, that do yeah. any little are thing. Are there can a imagine. million? There probably are a million. Yeah, I was probably, probably a lot more than, than that, nine, actually. actually. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of the funny things is like because since it's made by the people, you have to try to evaluate it and figure out is this any good. And one of the things that you always look for is when was the last time it was updated? Right. Mm. But now imagine one of the things that you're downloading is like is something that is so simple that all it does is say like put two strings together, just like something simple, right? Uh, that doesn't need to get updated. Correct. Right. It does not. It does, does not need that. happen. it does. It does the job. Will not it does the job. It has a very simple. Job. Yeah. So so it does this kind of weird thing where if you if where anytime I look at a package, even if it is for something really simple, if I see it was not if it was if it was updated, you know, a year ago or three years ago, I immediately am like, oh, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. You know, and this happened recently with uh with uh with the code that that I used to do all of our authentication in in uh in Rumpus. So like logging people in through Google and all this kind of stuff. 'Cause there's a really great package out there that like kind of manages all this stuff for you because it's really confusing. Um, but then I went to go update it at some point and noticed that it hadn't that, that package itself hadn't been updated in two years. Mm. And I was like, on the one hand, this process has not changed in two years, right? Yeah. So nothing needs to have been updated. On the other hand, security is really important in this process. And I found it a really kind of hard to believe that nobody had found some little bug or something right. that should have been fixed. And so then I found myself in this like weird uncertain spot where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So I ended up building it from scratch myself because like, right. because then I could see it and I could know what it was mm-hmm. doing. Um, but it's, it's one of those, yeah, it's just one of those weird things where it's not, it's not always the case that old is bad. Correct. You know? Right. And so you, it's just, you gotta be just yeah. diligent. And yeah. yeah you just gotta pay kids. attention. But to I think
2: the, the really important thing is that sometimes a tool will show you that there's a part of your production process that you didn't, guess no was possible yeah. to put into the pipeline that now you can right and so I mean, it's still that's worth where, learning new tools for that yeah. so like i even i mean i took uh i took houdini for a ride uh last weekend so i built a procedural house using this t- whack nice. tutorial it was the zaniest thing like <laughs> it it was, houdini's wild it was, it was really crazy cool. and i was like i don't know how one i don't know how people learn this Like just <laughs> by defi- i don't know what the hell's going on this is nuts uh, basically it's almost like vector in a way but you're it's as if you were drawing j- but just by typing in numbers like that's what it felt like awesome uh, that's
1: every day for me but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so the, the idea was
2: like what you, what you end up building is this house that you then have these four sliders on you have the width the height the length and the roof height and you can just move the sliders around and the house just does it just changes, changes shape. shape yep and it's really cool and really weird uh, and I was thinking I was like oh this is like this is really neat you know like if we get into if we end up happening the 3d development like i'm gonna spend some time in there because i want to talk like
0: a lot of time
2: but it's gonna have to be a lot yeah,
0: yeah. And that, that's the fun thing with with those like really really fancy tools that can do anything uh is yeah. like the barrier to entry is enormous um, yeah. once you get in there you feel like a, a god you know, yeah because you can just do such cool yeah. shit
1: yeah yeah i'm actually in the process of building a new tool for sam mm-hmm. in inside of well, this is another kind of angle on this question.
2: We talked about it a little bit the presentation. We talked about it last yeah. episode a little bit.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's always just thinking, like, maybe a tool you need isn't out there. Make one. Yeah. You know, and that's like yeah. our game maker pipeline and everything else. Um, but yeah, get just dipping your toes into new tools. It's always informative in some way. You may not use it, but it's yeah. always good. The yeah. yeah. next question comes from Flatpla, how <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Who says, <laughs> uh, hey, gotch bros, there's a lot of bad shit happening constantly in the world.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Are there any big issues you care a lot about? Why do you care about that issue? What are you doing to help? And Ooh. anything you recommend to cope with the anxiety that relates to tackling such a big and bad problem? Personally, I have a ton of anxiety about climate change and it's tough to not be
0: debilitated by it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I heard some uh, – there's a, there's a podcast called Ologies. Um, which I definitely highly recommend. Uh, it's the interviewer, Allie Ward, just talks to, I probably mentioned this on, the pod, on our podcast before, but she has interviewed some interesting random scientist about the work that they do periodically. And there've been a few episodes where she would be interviewing some sort of uh, biologist or ecologist or something who would literally break down in tears, like during some part where they were talking about some of these issues, because like the stuff that they've been studying for for you know 10 years or even more like they got there like the animals are gone now you know and like because because these are people who are like seeing the like they just get to go see the consequences like they look at they're the ones making the charts and like seeing these numbers go down like they're they're the ones going out in the world and like you're trying to catch stuff and bandit and then suddenly the next year there's like they're catching you know and uh and and so there and she's she always asks them this question too it's like how do you how do you cope with this, right? And, and she always asks him, like, "How fucked are we?" And the answer has has become now universally just very, we're just fucked. Mm-hmm. very. That's it. Yeah. And I, I always find it really interesting because people say, because they always say, like, "Yes, like we're we, this is in disaster territory." Um, yeah. But I remain hopeful. It's like how everybody ends it. I'm like, why <laughs> what is there to be hopeful <laughs> what, about? <yeah. laughs> because the
2: reality is that, is that hope is that motivating force in these. It is. Right? Yeah. Like, well, you you can't, yeah. There are
0: people still working towards yeah, exactly. it. Right. You
2: have to be working on it.
0: Yeah, well it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, right? Because hope if you if all you do is hope, nothing's gonna happen, yes. right? But if you if you don't have any hope left, you also then don't, also don't do happens. anything. Yeah. So it's a really weird well, scenario. Yeah,
1: I think about this in terms of it, for on a personal level, like you know, I was talking about I like solar panels have got uh cut out meat and electric mm-hmm. car, like trying try to do something. Yeah, stuff you're personally. doing the do. But what I also recognize is that literally doesn't matter. Yeah. It does not yeah. matter what I personally do. Yeah. And much like voting, it doesn't matter if I voted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't any, any one small contribution um that I make does not is not going to alter the trajectory
0: of the planet. Well, right?
2: so but but I guess the pushback on that though is it's similar to the light discussion though, right? Yeah. Because it's it's not I think the problem Which is, is by you
0: doing it or talking about it, you so exactly. the fact that, like when you drive down your your driveway now, and you see there's a house down there with solar panels yeah. on it, right? Yeah. That's going to increase the likelihood that because now every Some time somebody house, drives yeah. by, they're like, oh, Man. solar panels, right? Like literally yeah. every time. Well, and we even
1: did stuff like we had to replace our roofs. So we replaced it with a white roof. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's, it's going to
0: not heat up the house as much. Mm-hmm. And then you don't use as much AC. And then, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because a lot of this is a normalization idea, right? Yeah. Which is that. Which is that things that don't that you don't even like don't even affect you or that or that uh, you don't even necessarily think you can contribute to or whatever. If you normalize those things and and help to normalize them, then you get to spread that in yeah. some way, even if it's very low level and it takes years to accumulate, yeah. you still get to have But that I, but
1: effect. I think the the broader
0: point is like these are systemic
1: problems. Yeah, you can't and, fix it as an individual like, by by yourself. You know, you can put that energy out there and you can maybe influence some some people, um, but. There, there needs to be something a lot bigger that has yeah. to happen, and uh, I've, I've kind of landed as far as the, I mean, it's kind of bleak, you know. But, but I mean, I've kind of landed as far as the climate change stuff is like, there is no way out of this. No, this yeah. is what's, this is what's happening now. Yep. Um, and because we still have people who are like, this isn't even real. And like if they, we're, if we're having flooded, that, which we're having in Venice, right? Yeah. And then they're <laughs> underwater, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know about this. So, <laughs> so that's where we're at, uh, and we're still having the conversation about whether a thing that is currently happening is even real, and and which has been happening measurably for decades and
0: decades and decades, right? I mean, we have so, anti vaxxers we have people who believe the Earth is flat. We got yeah, we yeah. got all of it, and all of them seem to be rising in power with the rise of the internet. Yeah, um, yeah well, because what
1: the internet does, we actually had a, an interesting conversation in Discord about this the other day, but but the the internet um, is. Very much at the center of all of these problems because it uh, amplifies everything. It amplifies everything that's already happening, right? So no matter what ideas you have about the world, you can find evidence to support them, and you can find
0: people who agree with you, right? Yeah. So, and as humans, we seek confirmation bias by default. Yeah, because yes. it really you have sucks. to work really, really hard personally on yourself to. Go the other way and try, to, and try to find out if a thing is true, right? And try to find evidence against it to see if you believe that evidence and so on and yeah. so forth. It sucks to be wrong. I mean for most people. it's uh, Yeah. Well, you have to,
1: you have to train <laughs> yourself out of it. You have right? to train yourself out of being – about feeling bad about having exactly. been wrong. We well, talk about, about this in,
2: yeah. even in, in these art training courses and stuff too. The, the people who end up going on to do really good things are always the people who are seeking feedback. Yeah, critical feedback. Critical feedback yep. constantly. Yeah, and it's such a rare thing that there's like one out of every hundred people yeah, who's act, yeah. actively being like, "Please rip this shit up." Yeah. So
0: now, now give all these people the internet. Yeah, right. Where no matter what ideas you have, you just get to put it out there. Mm-hmm. No matter what ideas you have, you're right. Yeah,
1: and you get and to a group of people. You get with. to feel right, and yep. you get to be right, and you get to have a lot of millions of people telling you you're right. Um, yeah. And I think where that, where that kind of gets us is just where we are and it's where we're going. And that's just, uh, <laughs> I don't I, know. Yeah, my, I wish I had a good thing to say about it, but I kind of don't. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, we don't want to
0: get into too much downer territory, no, yeah. but really my, my, my honest strategy is basically just to embrace the life that I have now and just have it until whichever of these human cause crises. <laughs> <happens> <laughs> it comes, it, kills everybody. Too too you know? Yeah, <laughs> because oh, I think if it's like, cause it, like the, We're going to have a plague of some sort, right? And anti-vaxxers are going to be the thing that causes that to happen, right? That's that's just going to happen. That's going to be a thing. Yeah, it's going to happen. Will that happen before the Earth becomes a fireball? Because I don't know. Whatever happens, it's going to be. Will that happen before fascism takes over the entire world? before nuclear apocalypse? Like could be. I I think
2: so. There's this really good book I read called "Hope in the Dark," which is basically about this idea. And the problem is that so this the dark being this idea of you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Yes. and most Which people, means you also
0: shouldn't perseverate on it too much. You know? Yeah,
2: well, that's a part of it. But the other thing is that um, that's also where a lot of literally completely unexpected things happen, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. breakthroughs, whether it's completely different ideas about how to you know, run a government or whatever else. And so it's just a really interesting idea where the, the basic the point of the book is basically saying like, yeah, it's kind of – it's dark. Like we don't know mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on and what's going to happen. We know some things about it, but we don't know everything. Um but instead of taking the the approach that most people do, which is just saying like because it's dark, everything's going to be on fire forever and we're all going to die. Um, like that has kind of been a thing that everybody has said for literally for all of time. Like, well, and it's
0: been historically true. It has. Well, no, as in as in everything has to go. This is the way humans work. Humans yeah. are dumb as rocks collectively. Like they'll as a group, as a group, yeah, because, because any one of them will just believe something, yeah, right. And so then you just get a whole bunch of them together, they start believing random shit, and now all of a sudden, all of them do, right? It reminds so, me of
1: the pigeon doing dances, to yeah, exactly. things yeah. to happen, yeah. so,
0: <laughs> and and they and they don't want things to change because change is uncomfortable, right? And so, no matter what path we're on, we're gonna stay on that path until. Until the problems become so large that they are no longer deniable. And even then, most people will still deny them. But at that point, you, you just need to know the world will gone. have been destroyed, right? But I don't mean like literally like, – it's not going to fragment and be gone and like all humans won't be dead or anything like that. Like what global warming is going to do yes, – It's the world as you know it. Yes, exactly. exactly. If we live long enough to to hit peak yes. global warming. So if we get to that point, right, then the like that isn't – like the earth isn't going to be a literal fireball. The whole thing right. isn't going to be a desert, Right. Mm-hmm. It's just that everything – Some of it will be. Some um, of it will be, know. definitely. That's the thing. whole thing will have changed a whole bunch, right? Yeah. And it's going to be very chaotic. It's going to be very costly. It's going to be very horrible weird. for a huge number of people. But the thing
2: right? is like this this has happened over and over and over again. So whether yeah. it was globalization or it was like the fucking printing press, like everyone's like, oh my god, you're going to destroy people's brains with all these books. Like that was a concern, right? Yeah. And I would say that's is, a
0: different kind of concern than global warming. I mean,
2: it is, <laughs> it is no, it's a totally different kind of concern. But it, well, no, I think it's it's the same kind of concern. I think the reality of the severity of the problem is also very is very different, which is like definitely you know world ending. Everybody's problem. reading now versus
1: <laughs> Venice is underwater. Yeah, uh,
2: but but I guess my my point there is that is that this this cycle is just constant, uh, and we're facing something now on a global scale that is just way more troublesome, I think, than anything we've ever faced before, and and that's basically what the problem. Where the problem becomes a little too uh, real, because it's Well, I think
0: it's – honestly, I think – I don't think – and the reason that I don't – so I guess it's not that I'm not worried about it. It's that, I, it's that I don't worry about it, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, it's like, it's like the act of doing well, yeah, it. Yeah, so the question was kind of like how do you like, do with the anxiety, right? It has been the case since the 50s that we were under constant threat of a nuclear holocaust against yes. everybody, right? That's still true. 100%. Nothing has changed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that could happen at any moment, right? And so global warming is not worse than the fact that at any moment today still – we could just everybody could be gone. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's true. So there's just, also there are just more ways for this to happen, but there's still one really fast way that's just sitting there, that's mm-hmm. been sitting there for decades. And so, like, if you're gonna be freaked out about a thing, I mean, there's there's all of it, but like, there's that there, we've all don't forget we've that, one about that one. I feel like what are you going backward on? Like what just <laughs> happened is that. somebody
1: came in there like my hand hurts, and you just like stomped on their foot. You, <laughs> you're Like there now this
0: hurts now instead. This well, yeah. I think
2: so, but I guess the question of like what do you care about then? What do you know? What are you doing? So yes, so like Seth, you're actually doing a variety of these things when it comes to basically your your own personal impact on the climate change stuff. I'm hmm.
1: easing my own stress about it by just by trying to do, do, try do my part, yeah, and I not think, being annoying about it to other people, but just making an you know awareness, yeah, about
2: mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> being think, visible uh, as it relates to this. I think from from my own stuff, I just I I don't know. I think there's there's generally like a mental health crisis in the country. There's generally yes. a problem with people not feeling connected to each other with. People not having direction, not knowing what's what they want to do, all that stuff. Um, so weirdly enough, like I think you know, people have been asking us why we do the podcast too, um, and it actually is a meaningful thing for me every week, where it feels like it feels like you know, just trying to help out a little bit or sort of eject some of that you know like good ra- radiation reaching out of the dark, yeah, uh, to people to just say
0: like, yeah, if you want to get good at stuff, go do it, you know, go do the thing, go pick up some new tools, yeah. go. Well, it's, it's about embracing the life that you've got, yeah, you know, yeah. like. Try to put good at good energy. Yeah, who, yeah. who knows out what's gonna who world. knows what's gonna happen. There's no there's you just, just no way to know, yeah. right? Uh it has always been the case, as Sam was saying, that like disaster was actively happening or just around the corner, mm-hmm. right? It has always been the case. And like I said, with the whole nuclear thing, like that is still
2: sitting there. That is still sitting that's there. That's a very right? good point that kinda everyone of kinda forgets <laughs> you just, about, you know. Yeah, it's weird,
0: right? We just yeah. forget about that. Um but yeah, so it just like <laughs> just, you just have
2: It's so easy to forget.
0: You, that's, the, right? that's the weird thing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like why do we forget? It's the same thing, you know. Every every morning you get up and you get in your car. Right? It's because it hasn't happened. It's because it has happened. Yeah. But but there's still nothing like in, in your normal everyday life. There's nothing more dangerous than getting up and getting in your car. That is the most dangerous thing that we do. That's true. In our entire lives, and we do it every day. Mm-hmm. We do it every fucking day. And Then you day. get
1: on an airplane and you're like, "Oh God, I hope this thing doesn't go yes. down." Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, what you get like, and you could take this and be like, "Oh, so I guess here's now the huge list of things I should be scared about." That's not what this is about. This is about making the point about relative risk, mm-hmm. right? Which is, we don't actually know what's going to happen with all these like really big, very scary yes. things. We have no idea what's going to happen. Um, we can be confident that a lot of bad things are going to happen. Definitely. What, what does that mean for any individual person? Who the fuck knows, no, no. right? We don't. We we just do not know. Um, but there are there, like it's it's weird and it's a it's a human trait because we we cannot understand statistics and we we can't evaluate problems in the world without first having an emotional response, right? Because we actually deal with way more stressful, way more dangerous stuff on the all day. day every day yeah. than all of these big things that are happening, right? And so And a lot of these things are also very far off abstracted
1: yeah. and and multiple layers of causation deep yeah you know whereas like being hit by a bus that's like r- real now <laughs> and that's yeah, it's happening yeah and yeah. you know exactly what's happening and how and you know how the likelihood of that happening like that's mm-hmm. all very out in the
0: open mm-hmm. you know but it's just weird that we can in the same way that we all become accustomed to the idea we've become so accustomed to the idea that that nukes are out there everywhere and could kill us at any moment that we just don't even care about. It. <laughs> yeah. Just slipped my mind. Like literally, I can't, I can't even make myself get worried about it. Okay. I well, it's well so, yeah. like it's <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe thinking about it in this, because I actually, I noticed, I, I was listening to um, the Ezra Klein show and some other things. And, and uh, it was a lot of like bringing in experts to talk about current events and right. things like that. And I noticed that like my, my general outlook on pretty much everything was becoming increasingly bleak yeah. just generally. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of hit a point where I was like, this this actually changes nothing for, for me Correct. in the sense that all these things that are happening in the world will continue to happen regardless of whether I constantly bombard myself with information about mm-hmm. them, right? Uh, so instead of sort of becoming a quivering husk of a person, terrified of what's going to happen or what's coming or what might happen or whatever, uh, maybe I need to change my information diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah 100%. You know? and uh, and so I I actually I haven't been on Reddit in like a month. Um, I don't use I've, ne- I've never really used Twitter. Um, I don't use Facebook. I'm actually I just completely off of social media, which has been mm-hmm. pretty good. And I also changed all the podcasts I listen to. And I just listen to like interesting science podcasts and right. stuff like that.
2: So I mean, part of it literally is is ignoring it.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. because like, like do your best, try to put good out of, out there. Yeah, and.
2: Well, you don't need all that crap. Well, it's it's kind of like it's again it's that refraction problem, which is like whatever you're irradiating yourself with is just kind of where you are. You know what I mean? So like yeah. if, if you're reading the news every single morning, if the first thing you do is like read the news, just stop it. Just you're giving yourself thought you know, cancer. Yeah, and, move, and it's not yeah, only that either, move. but it's like
0: yeah, there are, there are so many bad things happening. There are also a whole bunch of really good things. Yeah, happening. there are. That shit's not going to go in the news because yeah, yeah it doesn't you're not move hearing copies. about that. And uh, and of course, like the bad stuff is the stuff that's going to kill us all, right? So like. So you could focus mm-hmm. on that, except like, well, well uh, it, what, yeah, what yeah as, as people or
1: as, as, as organisms that evolved in a space where things were trying to eat us a lot, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, it was always more advantageous to be extremely perceptive of danger and risk yep. and always take note of it. Yeah. You know, well,
0: but without worrying about relative risk. Yeah. Which know? is why like anytime, like if you're, let's say
1: you're in bed sleeping and you like hear a noise, your immediate thought is, Oh fuck. So there's
0: something there right <laughs> yeah and then it's
1: a radiator or a, right. like and a that doesn't happen remote. of course right
0: yeah but almost every time that that noise happens that's completely fine right and almost so, every single right. time and so
1: like as a as an animal which you are uh you're primed to constantly be aware of things that are trying to get you right yeah. no matter how unlikely it is right and so and be, so because of that um the same thing applies to information like you want you you want to always try to be aware of pieces of information that might keep you from getting got
2: yeah right? yeah <laughs> so, well, so you seek it out is you seek problem. out yeah. is and
1: this is this is where that like a sort of like out, outrage culture mm-hmm. kind of stuff com, comes into play or or where was if it bleeds it leads yeah. you know which is like any anything that happens that could be somewhat negative or somewhat dangerous or harmful, people just you got to jump on it and spread it around to make sure everybody knows about mm-hmm. this thing that's going on. Um, yeah, and it's uh, and it's also weirdly addictive.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah. So to, to see that stuff, I out. would suggest changing some of your uh, your habits around the information you're bringing in. You know, if Honestly, you read the news every day, just check it once a week.
0: Yeah, but also mm-hmm. change your framing on it because I think I think it is still it's important to still be informed about what's going on. It's still important where if you can make changes to your own life just to be a better person mm-hmm. and to treat the world better and treat each other better, then you should do that. If you are in a position of power where you can actually broadly influence things that mm-hmm. are tied to this, then – like if, you, if you're a person – if you're listening to this podcast and you're the CEO of a coal company, uh, then mm-hmm. maybe burn that thing to the ground. Mm-hmm. You know? yep, actually, no, don't do it. That that bury it or yeah, something bury like it, Put it back in the mountain. <laughs> put it back in the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I mean so there are people out there who actually can do some things and like and they and they should. But the other thing is from a freaking perspective is is so for me, like I've just personally accepted the reality that we're not going to stop stop global warming and that's going to happen, yep. right? As a consequence, I will not ever move to a coast. That's not gonna happen, mm-hmm. right? Because coasts are going to be underwater. If you're on a coast, sometime over the next thirty years. Maybe get start, a plan together. Start migrating. Yeah. Well, that, that's, in exactly, <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Well, but also in terms of like how the weather is changing because most of it we, can't, we don't know. But there are lots of predictions out there about where the things are going to happen. Like if I was living in a place like – if I was living in a place that had high likelihood to become a desert. Which, which is possible. Which is possible. Where we are. Here actually is not super likely. But again, like the coasts are the most fucked just yeah. everywhere really. Yeah, That's going to um, be real wet. Yeah. That's where the but most – that's where the most changes are going to happen. It's yeah. going to be a combination of really wet and really dry. You know? And also big storms are going to hit you right in the face. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so I, would, yeah. I would like – for the United States, I would get way off of the east coast because like those hurricanes are going to be coming faster and stronger every year now just for the rest of time. Um, so like – so th- that's – like the way that I would see it is, is what actionable steps can I take? Not necessarily to fix the problem because you can't as an individual yeah. but to to insulate myself – and my community, the people I care about, from those problems as much as I well, can. Well, this is but. the
1: uh, the gray rhino, yeah. Right, like we have a a pretty decent sense of the kinds of things that are going to be happening five, ten, twenty, mm-hmm. thirty years from now because of what's going on now. Yep. Uh, and those things are going to continue. We're gonna, yeah. we're going to continue to know about them, and they're going to continue to be yeah, there. So, so right. don't so don't actually ignore them. Just like take whatever steps you can. So make sure you've got. And it's gonna it's gonna be a a painful process in some cases. Yeah. But like. Mm-hmm. D-
0: try to just be aware yeah. so right? so if you know that like natural disasters are going to be more common so read up on what it takes to survive a natural disaster stock up on water do that kind of stuff right and just like not, not just go crazy degree. don't go crazy yeah. but just so, you
2: know. but the reality is action is a good balm for anxiety that is also and perception. so even if it doesn't find, accomplish anything yeah, it's yeah still absolutely helpful, so yeah. find a few things that you can actually do you know that are related to these and then do those things and otherwise wean yourself off of the addiction of yes. paying
0: attention to the terror also the <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Also, be really religious about getting up to date on your vaccines. Yes, because please. it used to be the case that even if you forgot, it would be fine because most people didn't forget. Not anymore. But not anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so stay real up to date on those yeah. things. Um, th- those, yeah, those, those of us who who understand it are the are the last bastion of keeping the world insulated from an entire. And also, <laughs> this is <laughs> disease apocalypse.
1: Yeah, this is one of those like, yeah, we're game developers. Adam is a PhD biologist.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so like. This isn't, this, isn't, it, this uh, isn't a bunch of game I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. Armchair quarterback. This isn't yeah. like somebody who did some Googling and found and like came up with some crap about vaccines or something. Yeah. This is genuine. Like, do it.
0: Get your fucking vaccine. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is unethical to not be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is yep. yeah. a fact.
1: All right. Next question comes from retro banana man. NL. Why is 60 FPS a thing? Good Why question. is it not 50 FPS? It would make more sense because there are 1,000 milliseconds in a second. So dividing would be a logical number. If it was 600 frames per minute, I could understand because then you would have a round number. It'd also be a slideshow, but
2: that's. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So the question is the first. Is still 60. Yeah. The first question is what, what is FPS? Frames per
0: second. Which means what?
2: So, what's uh, a frame? It's I'll,
0: basically how often the, the picture changes.
1: Yeah. So mm. the, the way that a game works is it happens in a loop. Where basically the, the computer will process everything. Maybe you have a bullet that's flying across the screen or something. So every frame, the computer is like, "Well, the bullet's going this fast, so now it's here, and then mm-hmm.
2: that's where it is." So now. You do that twenty four times over every second, or thirty or sixty or, times yep, over every second. Whatever
1: your frame rate is, that's how that's how quickly you you
2: run that loop. Yep. So the the faster the frame rate, the smoother the appearance of stuff on the screen is mm-hmm. right so you can imagine if you went all the way down to like one frame per second now you're looking at like a real weird gif
0: you're looking at a yeah a, <laughs> a slow gif or a fast slideshow yeah.
2: if you're at like uh i don't know maybe 24 is is what That's all the animated cartoons, cartoons right? used yeah. to be in i think they're i don't know if they're still on youtube know, is typically one. at 30 you thirty or twenty nine So twenty nine point nine seven is also another yeah. one. I don't know why the fuck that's the case. I'm pretty
1: confident that pretty much all of these frame rates come from basically two requirements. One is it's got to be fast enough for the content. Yeah. That that
0: you you don't feel weird and jittery watching it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like and slow enough that you can. For the content that you don't have to store too much of it or create too much. Right. So it's a
1: combination of file sizes. It's a combination of Mm -hmm. what it is you're looking at. So for a film, actually, they will record it with a camera that will capture whatever the frame rate is, which means that if something is moving quickly, then it has motion blur. So it's okay that there's like a small gap in time because your brain fills in the the motion. Right. And on a PC game. Uh, Before we had motion blurring technology, we just needed a higher frame rate in order to get that feeling of smooth motion mm-hmm. without it feeling like things mm-hmm. were jumping around. So I don't know why it's 60. I don't know why it's not 50. Maybe 50 was too slow for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, um, And it's also part well, it, of But – It is com- the
0: thing about about biology, right? It's like biology is very – like, how fast our eyes process information, it is very fast. Like So the difference – a 10 millisecond difference is actually significant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so jumping from 50 to 60, like, it is quite possible that 60 just is some magic number where it's, like, just fast enough, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, like, the minimum. It's, like, the minimum fast enough that it's basically everything is pretty smooth. Yeah. yeah if you want
2: a really good, actually, a good example of this, the new Spider-Man movie, the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse animated movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's just animated on twos. So it's every two frames. And they don't do any motion blur whatsoever. And so at first, when you is. first start watching it, it feels kind of choppy. Yeah. Because there's literally no motion blur and so what that means is that you you really see each frame almost yeah. while it's working and then your brain sort of settles into it and you literally don't even fucking notice. Yeah. But, uh, but you yeah, can there definitely is that, feel it. There
1: is that moment at the beginning. Yes. Yeah,
2: so if you want to kind of an example of that. But they did that on purpose because motion blur also makes things fuzzed. A bit. that mm-hmm. reduces sort of the co- the cartoon or comic quality of it.
0: Yeah, because they wanted it to feel like a comic book. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's so literally, it's it's actually, it's basically a comic book that is
0: turning very fast,
2: horrifyingly. <laughs> yeah, huge in terms of volume, right? Which yeah, is
0: amazing. But.
1: So yeah, there's there's not probably a good exact like this is why it's six.
0: I mean, there is some reason out. There, it's just it's fast know. enough, and there's also a really good chance it has something to do with hardware. Some legacy thing. Well, well,
1: but also bear in mind that that every frame for a video game is not a graphical thing. Right.
0: It's also a CPU thing, computational. So, like,
1: yeah, if if you wanted 120 frames per second, for example, then your your processor would have to do twice as many computations per second, which means it's going to run hotter. You're going to be able to do fewer things in the game because you now have to do twice as many
0: computations, right? And so there's kind of like everything just kind of comes to to be clear is that because a frame is a snapshot of what's going on, right? And yep. so you have to figure it's out what's happening. It's a moment in time. You have to figure out what's happening in that snapshot. And so so in a game, this is just referred to as the step, right? So yep. each step is basically you compute a whole bunch of things to figure out what's going on right now, right? So you compute just a huge set of just all the things that are happening until you finished. And now you like now, now you say, I know what's happening in this moment in time. Display right? it. And you can do that at yep. the frame rate. You have to do it once every 60th, you know, I guess, 60 frames. Once, 60, yeah, once every yeah. 60th of a second or whatever, right? 16 milliseconds. Yep. Um, and so the more stuff that you have to compute, the the lower of a frame rate you need so there's more time in between frames so that mm-hmm. you can actually finish computing all of this stuff, um, which of course also why frame rates drop the more computationally complex. Yeah, I will are.
2: say it is a really weird thing to see people get up in arms about. Yes. Uh, the whole like locked versus unlocked frame rate uh, debate, which occasionally bursts into the open on PC. Mm-hmm. Um where players will get real mad about whatever the frame rate for the game yeah, is. Like, yeah, because
1: we, like we could actually update the game so that you could change your frame rate in the game to like 144 or whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever it is that your monitor is. Um, but the fact is like there's a certain point where it doesn't really matter in yeah. terms of like what you're able to perceive. I do think that like up to 90 or 100, you can still kind of – probably something yeah, to tell. So. Um, but uh, it's also the case that – at a certain point, there's enough things happening in the game that that the frame rate will drop below what you set it to. Yeah, right. Because like we have, we have, it
0: can't. It just can't possibly compute all the things that have to be computed in that short of a period. Of time. Yeah.
1: Because it's not just graphics; it's the CPU. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. If level heads locked at sixty. It's fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. We also, we also note that that uh, that because of the fact that you're not doing continue things aren't happening continuously; they're happening on a frame by frame basis. Than things like physics and that kind of stuff, Th- things that are continuous in real life that yeah. you're that you're simulating in the context of a game, it by it, it is necessarily being simulated on a uh, on a discrete basis. So you're taking something that was continuous and making mm-hmm. it discrete,
2: which makes for some very funny errors. Yes, yeah, because so.
0: when you do that, you lose information, right? Yeah. And so so the more so the more frames that you have, the closer you get to actually continuous, right? Because if you if you had an infinite frame rate. You have the real world. And point. you have the real world now, right? Like everything is happening so fast that you're perfectly mimicking what's going on. If you take it all the way down to zero, you just captured one moment at a time yeah, and that's it, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's something to be aware of too is that is that physics engines actually may depend on the frame rate. Actually, that's not true. They always depend on the frame rate because they have to make a calculation every time and their next calculation is based on the prior one. Mm-hmm. And so the the depending on your what your frame rate is, the size of the error, the relative size of the error is different. Yeah, And that adds up actually. And also, honestly,
1: this is where so much time has gone into level head is trying yeah. to work out frame rate specific.
2: Yeah. So specifically business. like one of my favorite bugs that results from stuff like this is, is basically the problem where if, if an object is moving too fast,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, too fast in a game, then – and it sort of updates every step, for example. So every frame is updating to determine where the location of this object is. And maybe the object is supposed to collide with like a wall or something. Mm-hmm. But, but it doesn't because, know that until
0: that step, right? It
2: doesn't know it until it actually hits the wall, yeah, right? And the problem is that sometimes the object is going so fast that the calculation on step one is sort of before it's actually hit the wall. And the calculation on step two, on it's actually on the other side of the wall. Yeah. And so it never, it did actually never hit the wall. And so you end up with these hilarious problems where, we actually have this in Levelhead, um, where at certain points players can do something like, uh, they can use the charge punch of the waylay power-up to go so fast that if you if you sort of perfectly time it, you can skip uh a wall tile, so you can actually skip across a wall right? you can 't go through a wall
1: i we it? use continuous collision checking for that which Okay. Is basically
2: but we, had to, we had to update that right because it yeah, happened you would
1: originally be able to do that now you but you can still jump through hazards
2: with that, yeah
1: which are not treated as solid by the continuous collision checking. And it says, so you could like
2: jump through a spike mm-hmm. or something like that. And so there's a couple of these, and they're like, I find those ones very, they're very interesting. Yeah, now, very But
0: I now imagine if, if you, because we need to make it sure that the game itself feels good when people are playing it. So now let's say you on your BVPC make a level that where you get going really fast or whatever, and you run into a wall normally. Right. And then somebody else plays that level, but now they have it on a lower frame rate. Mm-hmm. They go, maybe, maybe they go all the way down to 30. So now actually, Half as many of the of the Steps, time points right? actually have any computations even happening. Yeah, so now it's twice as likely that you're going to be able to go right through that wall or whatever yeah. it is, right? Um, so, yeah, so frame rate has a huge impact. Well, we have some,
1: some goofy shit in Level 2 where uh, so, some people have computers that, that hitch. Yeah. Where like maybe they're running a smooth frame rate generally, but every now and then maybe they've got Dropbox running in the background and there's some shit going on, right? And the CPU just doesn't have the resources all the time to process the game. So, so instead maybe like they're at 60 frames per second. And then for like one frame, they, it takes them like three times longer, right? So it's like Mm -hmm. 60 FPS, boom, 20 FPS. And then right back up to 60 again. So there was a, a time where we, we would use the, like, for example, the, the distance that a moving platform traveled in the previous frame to determine how you inherit the velocity of that platform when you jump off oh, of it. Yeah,
2: I loved this one.
1: So and mm-hmm. it, so it'd be like okay, well, it's been this amount of time since the platform moved and this is how far it moved, etc. So when you jump, then you will fly you will basically speed.
2: inherit speed off the yeah.
0: platform.
1: Yeah. Um, but because of that hitching thing, and then you moved a lot further. You moved a lot further and for whatever reason because of the way that the hitch would hit the game engine, I for, I couldn't seem to like compensate for that and so instead you would just get shot off of the platform like a
2: bullet. So you <laughs> yeah, would- <laughs> but the thing is like the hitch was so, was literally a frame hitch usually so be, the frame rate would drop f- literally for a single frame. Yeah, and so you wouldn't you wouldn't even detect that yeah, you this could happen. and yeah. then you just like you just go to jump, and it would just fire you off like a bullet, just like yeah. – because you're actually going you know like what four times as fast or something essentially yeah. because of the frame rate dip. So which was
1: hilarious. It was hilarious, but pretty bad because you can't beat <laughs> a lot of levels if you get thrown <laughs> to your death. Yep, so. Yes, that is true. Um, yeah, so I mean. It- Looking forward to making it, a slower pace.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs>
1: after working on Levelhead, because also Levelhead is a UGC game, which means like players
2: do insane stuff that we.
0: The, wouldn't they, do. Well, they they abuse the fact that frame rate impacts. Yeah, the this. Game, I mean,
1: this is know. the thing that it's like it's both really hilarious and awesome to have a UGC game because you get to see all the wacky shit that the players come up with. But it's also endlessly frustrating as a game designer because yep, yep. we don't get to dis we don't get to dictate what kind of experience our users have. Yeah, like a player can come in. And if, if one person says, oh my god, I just discovered that if I put this many items – actually, like just this past week, some of our, our players in the Discord were talking about um, what they could do to get the frame rate as low as possible and still be able to publish the level, right?
2: Yeah. So it becomes a sort of – basically, the UGC aspect becomes a game in yeah. terms of like antagonizing and who can break the, physics the, the developers. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. Like and, and, and,
1: and nobody – it's like as a, as a designer – When we are trying to sell our game, the only questions we ask revolve around how do we deliver the best experience to our players? And the questions that our players ask is how do I abuse this glitch? Well, because it's it's fun to build around. Right, right. And so they're not not thinking about the game as a whole. They're not thinking about what this might do to the community. Like let's say somebody comes into the game and their first – Five levels they play
0: are frame rate abuse levels,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: That can't even be played on that person's device because they can't have their frame rate doesn't behave the right. same way. So as somebody
1: creators. buys Levelhead, they come in, and all that happens is their CPU melts because people have <laughs> been abusing the frame rate or <laughs> yes. something, um, and the. The creators of those levels—that's fine. Like that's—they were having a good time, but mm-hmm. that was what mattered, right? And so, so much of a, of the work that we've had to do has just been like, how do we keep this from being too bad of a? Of well, that's actually
2: that's why the campaign exists, honestly. Yeah, yeah. because it, we're we understand that like part of part of the fun part of participating in a UGC experience is building stuff that is antithetical to people having a good time <laughs> like it's because uh-huh. it's, it's actually about you building it's, it's not a, about it's a person. troll
1: level in its own yeah. way it's right? about
2: you doing having the fun of exploiting something right it's not actually about the end product at all yeah and so that's basically what it comes down to yeah uh
1: so next next game I'm, i mean i'm excited to make like an rpg or something where like we get to deliver like the I, entire the content <laughs> yeah yeah it's we get fun. to be like this one thing is really bad for the frame rate let's not put a thousand of those in one <laughs> in one spot yeah uh, so anyway all right, well that's all the time we have for not well, I guess this week's episode yeah uh, but we're gonna <laughs> it's re- not all the time that we have yep. we have an entire other hour left yeah uh, so we'll get on that and uh, we'll see you like, next week we'd like to thank our producers Fat Bard and Jen Costa for putting this episode together and thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord running to get more involved in the Butterscotch community just go to podcast.bscotch.net we have links to everything thank you all for listening and we'll see you
2: next week Goodbye. bye bye